Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. One God. Bless and protect each and every one of you and your family. See you tomorrow. Bye. WABC Radio is proud to celebrate 100 years. From October 1st, 1921, to music radio, to talk radio's crown jewel, worldwide and beyond. WABC And WLIRFM Hampton Bays. From around the world to around the block, this is a WABC 77 Second News Update. 78 degrees sunny at 5 o'clock, 77 WC Chime Check, sponsored by Boulevard Watchers. Good afternoon, I'm Bob Brown. The top five at five. Gas is now more than five bucks a gallon on the Turnpike and Garden State Parkway in New Jersey. The price of regular jumping 19 cents to $5.07. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson surviving a no-confidence vote, securing enough support in his party to remain in office despite a rebellion which will likely weaken him as a leader and cast a shadow over his future. The former top leader of the far-right Proud Boys extremist group and other members have been charged with seditious conspiracy in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Henry Enrique Tarrio, the former Proud Boys chairman, and four others linked to the group are charged in the latest indictment against them. New Yorkers under age 21 won't be allowed to buy semi-automatic rifles under a new law signed by Governor Kathy Hochul. Joy and sadness are pouring out of those on the beaches of Normandy for the 78th anniversary of D-Day. Several dozen World War II veterans attending D-Day commemorations today in France. Cats at Night up next on 77 WABC. Mets tonight in San Diego. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center tonight, mostly clear. Low 63 tomorrow, mostly sunny. High 77 WABC degrees. Right now, sunny outside the Midtown Studios. 77 WBC Time Check 502, sponsored by Boulevard Watchers. Discover finely crafted timepieces available at Macy's. I'm Bob Brown. Traffic and transit next. Remember the news never stops at WABCRadio.com. WABC Traffic and Transit. GWB inbound upper okay, lower okay, outbound. Of course, we have heavy delays. Lincoln inbound okay, outbound 20 to 30 minute delays. Holland inbound okay, uh, 10 to 15 actually from the turnpike, 15 to 20 minutes from Route 109 outbound. There are 20 to 30 minute delays. We have alternate side parking rules suspended today for religious observances, although you need to feed those meters. I'm Bob Brown with your 77 WABC Traffic and Transit Update. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. And it's only Monday. It's not even Friday. I mean, it's a long way to Friday. And this is uh, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And uh, we're glad to be here. It's a TriCast. 
Uh, we're broadcasting out of WABC Studios on uh, Midtown uh, and uh, also on AM 970 The Answer and WLIR in Long Island. And uh, we, uh, we have a great show for you today. And we have some special guests. In the studio, we have our Common Sense Democrat. We have Judge uh, uh, Richard Weinberg. Richard Weinberg. <laughs> And we have uh, Common Sense Republican, uh, Congressman Peter King, a former congressman. I hate to say Thank former. You, and we have a special guest in the studio. We have the uh, premier of Saskatchewan. I said it right. You did. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Scott Moe. And uh, we're going to be talking about energy uh, during the hour. And uh, any of our guests that want to discuss energy uh, is welcome to, to discuss energy. And Lydia, what else? We have a great show. We will be speaking to Gordon Chang about China ramping up coal production, Mario Economo, Ilya Shapiro, Bill O'Reilly. And I know uh, that you have an announcement, Congressman King. Yeah, John, if I could just have 30 seconds. The uh, Armour Museum in Long Island is honoring the, uh, the 80th anniversary of the Sherman tanks. And they're desperately trying to find any veteran who was on a Sherman tank. They want to honor them this weekend. So if anyone can call into WABC or contact the Long Island Armour Museum, they want to honor these brave men who really... You'll put their lives in line for us. So it's any any any, any veteran. Somebody to drive it. Well, uh, that, that's going to be Lydia's job. <laughs> no, any, any anyone who was a veteran of World War II was on a Sherman tank. They would just love to have them. Thank you very much. Understood. Okay. And first on the line, we have Bill O'Reilly. He's a prolific author, journalist, one of the few good ones left, right? His latest book, Killing the Killers, is killing the New York Times bestsellers list. What is it now? 20 million books sold. Bill O'Reilly also has a show Monday through Friday right here on WABC from 9 p.m. until 10 o'clock. Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly. The Bill number o- one show in the evenings. Yep. Bill O'Reilly, welcome back to Cats at Night. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Beautiful day today and yesterday for the Greek parade. Good well, coverage. God was watching over us, uh, Bill. Yeah, it was excellent. Uh, I'm out here on eastern Long Island and couldn't be nicer. So I'm in a good mood, <laughs> but I'm sure I'll sour quickly when we talk <laughs> about the news. Well, t- tell us, where do you want to start? You know, um, speed day anniversary, 78 today. Um and I don't think that the younger part of this country understands the intensity of that battle. Uh, millions of people saw the movie Saving Private Ryan, which was really a good depiction of uh, what happened uh, in northern France. I've been to the cemetery there twice, and 100,000 Americans are buried in France. 100,000. And... The courage that was shown, not only by Americans, but British and Canadians as well, uh, is something that we don't really see or hear about much anymore. And um, so I talk about that tonight. It ties into my book, Killing the Killers, which is an excellent Father's Day gift for everybody out there, because the courage of our special forces right now kind of matches what what happened in D-Day. But we don't hear anything about that because it's all classified battles they're fighting, but they're on the ground in Africa now. And um, so we get into that tonight on uh, Common Sense at 9 p.m. Bill, this is Pete King. I'll just interrupt you for a moment. You mentioned Normandy. I was over there in uh, 2004 with President Bush for the 60th anniversary. And until you're there, and you know this, you cannot realize how, how wide that beach was and how steep those cliffs were. I don't know how they made it. I don't know how they had the guts to do it. And we should never, ever you know, forget the, the tremendous legacy of anyone who was involved yeah. with D-Day. It's really a worthwhile trip to take for everybody. 
um, because they've kept it pretty much the same as it was in 1944. So there aren't any tourism, you know, kiosks or people hustling stuff or it's, it's a park. And you can see on Omaha beach is, uh, the Congressman just said the difficulty of logistics when you had the uh, Wehrmacht, the German army dug in shooting down, um, at these soldiers, most of whom were, you know, 18 to 24 years old, um, trying to get a, uh, a footprint on the beach so that they could drive the Nazis back. And it happened. And, and you know, again, in school, we don't teach history anymore in, a, in America, which is a terrible, terrible thing. Um, which is why I think my books have been so successful, because I do get very vividly into our country and the greatness of it. And how many times we've saved the world from totalitarians. And now we're in a down cycle in America, unfortunately. Um, but we will rise again. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, I mean, what happened with uh, uh, Navarro in Washington? Do you have any comments on that? I mean, it, it seems like yeah, I mean, they, look, they put him in handcuffs. People. Yeah, there are a bunch of people who defied um congressional subpoenas um and the most famous is holder the former attorney general under obama right yeah so everybody knows that eric holder defied the subpoena uh wouldn't testify he was charged with contempt of congress and absolutely nothing happened to the man nothing zero zero and he continued and he continued to serve as attorney general running the justice department irs lady uh the uh, learner was it yeah Lois yeah, Lerner. But but I think the best comparison to Navarro is Holder. So Navarro uh, does the same thing that Holder does and just says, basically, I'm not going to do this um, because I have privilege, executive privilege, and I'm not going to do it. And then they go to his house and put him in not only handcuffs, but leg irons. So this is, again, a deterioration of our country. This was done um, for partisan reasons to embarrass Trump. And, um, you know, what can you say? It, it's happening. It happens time and time and time again. Bill, but we're living in a, in a divided nation now. We're not all together like we were on D-Day in 1944, that's for sure. Bill, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. What troubles me is the, the argument that Biden waived Trump's executive privilege. As a matter of law, that's totally incorrect. He has no right to waive the privilege of a predecessor president. It stays with the man who's asserting it. And Navarro, and Navarro correctly said, it's not for me to waive the privilege of the principal. I'm really an agent assisting the president in carrying out his, his job. It's so, horrible. Well, I expect, what I expect, Judge, is Navarro will file a, a bunch of lawsuits and it's going to cost him if he can get a pro bono attorney. That's an attorney who works for free on his behalf. He could win. I, uh, I think he should. I think he should. And I, I think he's made statements to the fact that he will. But more distressing to me as an American is that we don't have equal justice for all anymore, do we? No, not at all. Uh, we have a special guest uh, here in the studio. We have the premier of Saskatchewan. Uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly, any questions about Canada? Yeah, I'm, I mean, in, if you understand how Canada works, and I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be um, 
go out of my station as an American commentator, but I've been to Canada many times. I know it works. There's a huge difference between the attitudes of Western Canadians, Saskatchewan, and then Ottawa. Is there is there not an enormous difference in how people see the world? Well, you're, you're right, Bill. At this point in time, there most certainly is uh, between a number of Western governments, actually a number of Canadian governments, and and often where we're seeing uh, the, the federal government go in particular on, uh, you know, policies, environmental policies, um, you know, other policies as well that are essentially having an impact on uh, a province like Saskatchewan and how we generate our wealth and how we generate our income and, and what people, the industries that people go to work with each and every day. And so you are seeing some some provinces, ours being one of them, standing up, uh, you know, for, for, for the opportunities to, you know, produce, uh, produce gas, to produce food, to produce uh, oil, to produce uranium, to produce uh, fertilizer, all of these things uh, that ultimately are needs for uh, North America. And, you know, we have a little different view in, in Saskatchewan is we should come together not exactly, uh, but it, but in the, in the, under the same sort of pretext as we did uh, some seventy some years ago on the, those beaches in France, uh, but come together to ensure that we are uh, working together to uh, you know preserve our our energy security, and uh, not just in Saskatchewan or any state, not even in just Canada or even uh, the U.S. on its own, but but our North American energy security and our North American food security, and I think this is paramount. <clears throat> Excuse me, but. Um Trudeau and Biden have no interest in that at all because they kneel at the altar of climate change, correct? Oh, but Canadians and Americans have an interest in this. Uh, they have an interest in, in, in what's happening, uh, what we see on, on full display in the EU today, um, where uh, you know many European countries have put their, their energy security in a, in a country such as Russia. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I'll speak on behalf of people in Saskatchewan, but I think it's right across North America. We need to uh, very much, you know, take care of ourselves when it comes to uh, providing energy security for uh, for all of us collectively ac- yeah, across North America. Leadership not buying into that. What's the price of a gallon of gas? And was it Regina? Is that the capital of the, the province? Yeah, we're a couple bucks a liter, so what are we? A little over four or five bucks a, a gallon on a, on a U.S. gallon. By me, it's five thirty-five now yeah. a gallon, yeah. which it's is half price. Right, so, yeah, right. Yeah. So even though that you're at the top oil producer, um, you're paying as much as we're paying here for a gallon of gas. I can't make the folks too happy. No, no, it certainly doesn't. And there are all sorts of, you know, regulations uh, and, and, and really hindrances in, in accessing, uh, you know, that oil, uh, not only across Saskatchewan, but across North America yeah. that are put in place by our federal administrations. That's why we've, we've you know, we've, we've stood on behalf of, of that industry and others uh, at times in odds to our, to our federal administration. We're going to continue to. And John, you were on Maria Bart's Romo and that clip of you on there, it's kind of gone viral at this point. Tell us what you, what you said. It's just kind of this common sense well, analysis regarding energy. No American can understand that why are we not buying from, from uh, Canada, uh, United States, and, and uh, Mexico where we can produce almost 15 million barrels. Uh, we have a pipeline in Alaska for 2 million barrels a day. We're only using 400,000. Uh, what say you, uh, Premier? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're about half a million barrels a day in Saskatchewan, another four plus million in Alberta, and we can produce more. 
Uh, you know, and, and it is troubling when we see, you know, our neighbour to the south and even our own government at times looking for, uh, you know, oil supply in other areas. We talked earlier about, you know, Venezuela, uh, Saudi Arabia. When we have some of the most sustainably produced energy right here in North America, we should share it back and forth in the same way we share tractors and combines and everything else that we do. What do you think we have? Uh, I think uh, some previous guests from Canada here told us we have 100 years worth of oil between Alaska and Canada. Well, what say you? Well, I, I, don't, I don't think we even know how much uh, we have. I, I'll provide an example. Just north of uh, North Dakota, we have an oil field there that was slated for end of life, and it was going to be cleaned up through you know, carbon capture and sequestration, enhanced oil recovery. That, that oil field is now going again. It's being operated by, you know, if, if this is your concern, it's being operated by a net negative oil company, the only one in Canada that's net negative from a carbon perspective. Uh, they have now extended the life of that oil field through a carbon wash, out to where they have no they have no plans to shut it down and they don't know when the end of life will be and so as innovation comes along we're going to we we have you know decades uh, a very very long time of supply i think as long as we're going to need uh, bill o'reilly what what excuse could uh, president biden have for begging saudi arabia begging iran begging venezuela for a half a million barrels each when we have all the oil we what need. excuse does he have? He doesn't have any excuse. What excuse does he have for opening the border? What excuse does he have for allowing um, federal attorneys not to prosecute heinous crimes? He doesn't have any excuse for anything. He just does what the progressive left tells him to do. I mean, it's ridiculous. The whole thing is absurd. And the American worker now, and New Yorkers in particular, because we're up to here with taxes, we got hundreds of thousands of people leaving the area, going down to the uh, states that are less expensive to live in. Um, and the man just sits there and goes, well, I first day in office, I shut down the Keystone Pipeline, which I'm sure the premier wasn't happy about. Well, why did you do it? Because some progressives told me that we have to use wind and solar energy and we can't use fossil fuels anymore. So that's one, why I did it. One of my, I mean, uh, uh, my wife, Margo, uh, who you know, uh, has a, a a friend that she grew up with in Indiana, uh, Jenny, and and Jenny said to her that teach in down in Georgia she lives. They're teaching the kids that we only have thirty years worth of oil left, and that's of the reason. Oil left? Yes. All right. Um, well, look. the The point of the matter is, and we've discussed it here on your show, John, is that we have leadership now that is causing enormous problems in this country. And I'm a simple man. You guys all know that I'm a simple man. How I sold 19 million books escapes me. I don't know how I did it, but a simple man asked one simple question. Since Joe Biden has been president, tell me one thing he's improved in the United States of America. All I want is one. Give me one. Anybody, anybody, anybody in this room have one? No. He improved investments for China. He, he, the cartels. If, if China and Russia in 2021 got to pick the, the best next president that will benefit them in the United States, they could have. They, I don't think and there's the anybody drug cartels better than, too. than Biden. The fentanyl and I, all what that. I want to know is where are the 28% people who think he's doing a good job? I want to know where that I comes know. from. Crazy. But crazy. if you guys were in organized crime, if you were all in the mob, then you would have said, hey, we like them because now we have record amounts of narcotics being sold 
and smuggled into the United States. And that's our lifeblood. That's how we make money. And you guys know, you read Killing the Mob, my book before Killing the Killers. They love him. Organized crime loves Biden. And, and China Trump. promised Trump he's not going to ship fentanyl to the United States. But So they're shipping it to, to Mexico. Mexico and they're bringing it over. Well, guess who didn't show up to the meeting of the Americas in L.A. this week? Guess who didn't show up? Who? Obrador. He didn't show up. You don't think that's an insult to Biden? Biden called him and said, please come, Mr. President. And you know why Obrador is not coming? Because he doesn't want to stop the open border migration and the narcotics because he's in the pocket of the cartels. Obrador has been bought and paid for by the drug cartels in Mexico. That's why he's not showing up. This is just, and, and you think you're ever going to hear this from the Biden administration? No, nope. that's it. You hear it, you hear it on the 5 o'clock show by Katsimatidis and O'Reilly. That's where you hear it. You're not going to hear it or read it in the New York Times. Yeah. You're not, or the Toronto you, Star. L- let me ask, let me ask the premier, uh, premier, uh, do you have problems with the newspapers and broadcasts in, in Canada as much as we're having in the United States about telling the truth? There are there are some challenges in the mainstream media, and I think if you walk down the street, in particular, and this maybe touches on Bill's point of uh, some differences of opinion in 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 the Midwest uh, to to maybe some other areas of Canada. There's there's been a you know, a new subsidy that has been set up for the news media across Canada as well as one uh, essentially government-funded uh, uh, news media as well. And so I, I think although the challenges might be slightly different in Canada, uh, there's no doubt uh, there there is challenges. And I, I would just say that would be echoed by, uh, you know, the majority of people, if you're walking down the street and ask them about, you know, the mainstream media, you know, do you trust the, the, the product that's being put out? I'm just not sure that everybody does anymore. What percentage of the, of the people you think believe what the media is telling them? Uh, I, I don't know if I'd, I haven't given that a lot of thought as to what percentage. I know there's a lot of questions, uh, a lot of questions uh, across uh, at least the area that I represent, the province that I represent. But even I even think, in fairness, across Canada as well, uh, as the you know the, the media, you know, at times there's there's folks that think they're being pretty selective in what they are ultimately you know putting in the paper, and and at times putting a you know, a, a bias slant on it. And so there, there's there's concerns in Canada. I don't know uh, that they might be not quite as large as they, as they are in some markets in the U.S. to this point, uh, but most certainly I know that because I'm, I'm being told by the people I represent that there's concerns uh, with the, the direction of the mainstream media the last couple of years. Premier, uh, both Bill O'Reilly and I are, are journalists, and Bill, you can talk about this as well. We, we we became journalists because we wanted to tell the truth. You weren't allowed to even – when I wrote my scripts, I was told don't even use adverbs because you just want to give the facts. And then the people well, – uh, the, yeah. the CBC is run by the Canadian government, and that's the main television news outlet for all of Canada. The CBC is very left-wing. Am I wrong, Premier? No. Okay. So you're being force-fed by the government media. We don't have that here. But what we do have is a corporate media that is so frightened now of the cancel culture that it won't report the truth about what's happening in the country. Let me give you one example here, and I don't want to run out of time, so I'll make it fast. On BillOReilly.com, I have a, a message of the day that says the Los Angeles Times is going to go out of business, literally, because they're so far detached from the people in L.A. 
who has to deal with this massive amount of violence every day. And the violence is generated by gangs and drug addicts, the homeless drug addicts on the streets. The media will not report that story. If you're a white supremacist and you shoot blacks, as in Buffalo, that story is page one, and you're going to hear about it for a week. If you're a drug gang, an African-American drug gang, and you mow down children in Chicago or in the Bronx, that story is buried in the American media. And that's what's happening. And, Bill, even the terminology they're using, mass shootings, why are they using that terminology instead of the well, gang shooting? Well, they don't shooting? even define it, though. You exactly. can't even get exactly. over the weekend. We went, my staff went to Philadelphia, Chattanooga, Phoenix, and asked the police, who shot all these people over the weekend? The police would not say it because they were afraid to identify the African-American drug gang. So, so when did the truth by the mayors not to Bill? So when did the truth die in American media? When the big corporations, you know, about 10 years ago, I mean, because it's all about money now here. When the big corporations bought the media. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bill O'Reilly. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. I'll be listening to your show at nine o'clock tonight. Tell us what you're going to talk about tonight. My monologue tonight is about um, my uh, 18th summer in 1968, as opposed to my son, who's, nine, who's 18 now, and his summer. And the danger that he has to face and that I did not way back then. Wow. That's my opening monologue tonight. And I'll be listening between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock on WABCradio.com worldwide or 770 in the region uh, on your AM dial. And uh, thank you so much. And uh, God bless you. Thanks, John. Thank you. Uh, Let's go to, uh, I understand, Gordon Chang is coming in, our expert on China. Gordon G. Chang, how are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you. And thank you so much. And, and Gordon, uh, we're going to talk about energy in China, and we have the, an energy expert from Canada here. We have the premier of Saskatchewan. I keep saying it right. I know, Absolutely. right? And his name is uh, Scott Rowe, and, and uh, he's interested in listening to what you're going to say about China. And we talked on uh, the other day, and all, the, and all the pollution we're saving by tying our left hand to our right ear yeah, I didn't say ears good. Ears good. Ears good. And China is creating new coal plants every day, and, and nobody says boo about China. Tell tell us about the energy uh, in China. Well, right now, as you point out, they have made a decision to ramp up coal production. And they did this several months ago, and they did it because they were worried about the failure of the Chinese economy. So, for instance, in March, where they had a 15 percent increase in coal production year on year, that set an all-time record. Now, coal production um, has declined a little bit in April and a little bit in May, but that's not because of the government sort of reconsidering its decision on coal. That's because the Chinese economy is in dire straits and the demand has collapsed. But what we're seeing, though, is that uh, China is not going to meet its commitments under the Paris Accord that uh, so many people in this country celebrated 
Um, China didn't really promise very much in that anyway, but it looks like they're not going to meet whatever small promises they made. I know it's shocking. Uh, Gordon Chang, what do you think about President Biden possibly relaxing China tariffs in order to bring in more solar panels made by the Uyghurs, the Muslims that are basically enslaved there? Well, there are two things here. First of all, um, there are domestic solar production, um, which is going to be severely crippled by um, Biden's decision. And second of all, what we're doing by um, the solar panels made in Xinjiang or East Turkestan is complicity with genocide and crimes against humanity, because that's what's occurring in that region with the Uyghurs. China has made a decision to eliminate the ethnic identity of the Uyghurs. That's genocide under the Genocide Convention of 1948, to which the United States is a party. And we have an obligation to prevent and punish acts of genocide, but instead we're promoting them. So this is 100 percent wrong. And whatever uh, small achievements we have in this country are just more than overset by what's going on in China right now. Premier Mo, I mean, what kind of sense does this make, the fact that China's ramping up production, Venezuela, we're looking to them for more oil, all these other, I mean, we're on the same planet. I mean, we're in the same environment. And meanwhile, we can produce the oil so much more efficiently and cleaner here. Correct, Premier? Yeah, this and and this is you know this is the global challenge that we have, and you know when you talk about emissions, it doesn't matter whether those emissions come from uh, North America, or they come from China, or they come from somewhere else in the world. Uh, they're 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 all emissions, and uh, we need to start comparing our ourselves and our industries uh, against uh, the the rest of the world uh, when we when and and we already are in many cases. I would say virtually all cases, whether you're building vehicles, whether you're you know producing oil, whether you're producing food. Uh, whatever you're doing, uh, us in North America, and this is this is a story I bring from Saskatchewan, we're producing some of the most sustainable products in the world already today. And we most certainly should be opening up access to other, uh, I would say, Canadians, but also North Americans to ensure that we are preserving, uh, you know, our ability to have that energy security, have that food security so that uh, we aren't finding ourselves in, in you know, in a, in a vulnerable position where we're relying on someone else for that energy. Uh, we, we produce the cleanest. It's the highest quality. Um, if we would remove some of the, 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 the impediments that we have both north and south of the border that aren't reducing emissions in any, any way, in, in in fact, if we're replacing that product with some offshore product, they're actually increasing global emissions. Um, but we should make make these products available as affordably as we can uh, to the people that, for example, I serve as a, as an elected politician. But to to all of the people across uh, North America, we, we we owe this to them, and we're making some some misguided decisions, I think, uh, on both sides of the border. And the energy security conversation is coming, though, and it's coming sooner rather than later. And I, I think the uh, you know I think citizens are going to bring it. They certainly are in Saskatchewan. Wow. And it's safer also to transport the oil via pipeline versus any other any other way, correct? Yeah, the KXL pipeline, you know, most certainly, and, and, and the Canadian portion of that is largely in across the border, crosses the border from Saskatchewan into Manitoba. They were highly supportive of that product. You know, if I, if I could take a minute, I'll just tell you what Saskatchewan Energy is going well, maybe, into that. Let's into that. hold that minute. Yeah. We have to take a hard break. For and sure. uh, Gordon Chang, stay on. We're going to take a hard break, and we'll be back in about two minutes. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Uh, when we took a break before, we were uh, previewing Mo was about to talk uh, uh, about uh, what's going on in, we're in Saskatchewan. And uh, Premier, 
That's right. We were talking about the KXL pipeline and, and the opportunity for that versus, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, we're looking for, for oil, whether that be in Venezuela, Saudi Arabia. Uh, this is the oil that would go into the KXL pipeline from Saskatchewan. It's oil that's produced up in the Lloyd Minster area. It's oil that um, has changed really how the, the production pr- practices have changed, come about by billions of dollars of investment in what's called the, these thermal plants that have reduced our, our methane reduction, our methane emissions, pardon me, uh, in the province by 60%. We just reported this out two weeks ago. Wow. Uh, 2015 to today, we're down 60% in our methane emission reductions, largely due to the investments that were in, in this particular oil field up in the Lloydminster area. That oil would go directly into the Keystone XL pipeline, be made uh, available to Americans versus uh, some of the decisions that uh, have since been made. So are you trying to say that... Um your uh, quality controls would be higher than, say, Venezuela, say, China, say, Russia, Saudi Iran, Arabia, Iran. And not Iran. just by a country mile, but by 100 miles. <laughs> Gordon Chang, why, why do this? Why is President Biden slowly dismantling this country? People can't afford to pay their bills anymore. I was just holding up a bottle of Gatorade before for $4. <coughs> Gas by me, five thirty-five a gallon. Diesel, $7 a gallon. This can't go on anymore the way it's, the, the country is headed at this point. Well, it certainly can't go on um, because the decisions that are being made are just inexplicable. And just to go back to something that the premier said before the commercial, um, the transportation of oil by pipeline is so much more energy efficient than bringing it by a tanker from Saudi Arabia because that creates um, emissions as it crosses the oceans. So really what we're talking about are decisions that I guess President Biden thinks you know, play well with his base, but don't make any economic or other sense. And and that's really the problem right now, that the Biden administration has just lost competency. It's lost the ability to decide what's best for the nation. And it's just now trying, I think, to keep keep, uh, popularity, um, which has lost most of it right now. So when you think about this, it it really is just a failure of governance at its most fundamental level. Yeah, Gordon, uh, to your point uh, on that, if I remember correctly, the Keystone XL pipeline was going to be the first net zero pipeline uh, ever put into production in North America, uh, which is just another point to the fact that, you know, we do at times have to, you know, rely on, you know, the innovation of of North Americans, uh, what North Americans are doing in this space. Uh, They're they're, they're producing some of the most sustainable products uh, in the world, and it would do us all well to make them available to the folks that we represent across this continent. The sad part is you have the media that's basically the propaganda machine of the left-wing party. And so a lot of Americans are misinformed and they think this is, oh, we're ruining our future. We're destroying the environment. John, I remember as soon as the Keystone Pipeline with that first executive order, what did you say? John, what did you say was going to happen? Prices are going to go up tremendously. And the I, whole I, press- I was here that day and John said it and it was like, wow. And the whole press corps, you should have seen a yeah. premiere. They were like, what, is, what, huh? And he was predicting predicting it. He said it could be $6, $7 a gallon by summer, by Labor Day. And here we are. Here we are. Gordon Chang, at, at what point does does the left wing of the party even realize that, wait a second, this is not what we signed up for? Well, I think it's probably in November when there's going to be a sweep by the Republicans. And it very well may mean the American public is not voting for the Republicans, but they're voting against the Democrats because it's a record of failure. Um, And it's a fundamental failure across the board, as we have seen, whether we're talking about the transportation of oil or baby formula 
or anything else for that matter. So I think that it's really going to be a question of what happens at the ballot box. And I do think, and, I, and I'm a political, I'm a political independent. I'm not neither a Republican or a Democrat. But if anyone is in the United States, they can see the way the uh, election is going to go. Well, it's uh, <laughs> it's 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 terrible what's going on. Anything else you want to tell us about China? What's going on? The most important thing is something I alluded to before, and that is the economy is failing. Uh, There's a debt crisis, which Beijing has been able to postpone, but they haven't been able to resolve the debt. We are seeing, because of the COVID lockdowns and others, um, many indicators plunging. The most important one to watch, um, John, is uh, property sales. The volume of property sales is down 30 percent one month. I think it was down 59 percent the last month. Property Um, sales where? In China. In China. And by, by, shows, it also, China also issued, the government issued an edict that they can't let any of their primary uh, officers of the Communist Party buy anything in, outside of China or something. That's right. Um, and they've been doing that in a number of different areas. Um, but they, Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, is very anti-foreign. And uh, he has all of these rules which violate China's trade promises. He's doing it because nobody's holding to him to account, including a guy in uh, whose address is 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, Washington, D.C. Um, and, and this really is a problem right now because we see a number of decisions that are actually very supportive of the Communist Party, not supportive of American industry at all. And if we're going to have any future, we've got to be resilient. We've got to make the things that Americans buy. Because if we don't do that, we're going to be beholden to a hostile regime that considers us an enemy. And what everybody has to realize, us in Canada, I mean, we're neighbors. We're, we, you know, we're, we have to depend on each other. I mean, uh, it's more than uh, kissing cousins. I mean, you know, and uh, we, we have a long border that we cannot leave. Uh, so, yes, we are not only kissing cousins, we're neighbors forever. And, and our industries are, you know, absolutely integrated. You know, one of the largest industries in Saskatchewan is the agriculture industry. And, you know, we see throughout the prairies, uh, you know, the big red tractors that are built in Fargo, North Dakota, the, the green combines that are built in East Moline. We're bringing in crop protection products, fertilizers going back and forth across that border. Our industries are, are absolutely integrated across that 49th parallel. And the, the energy industry uh, should be as well in the interest of, of all North Americans. So, John, if I could say, when I was chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, unlike with Mexico, our northern border, the cooperation we got from Canada, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, all of the Canadian authorities, it was just hand in glove. You couldn't ask for more cooperation, more assistance, more working together than we received from the Canadians. An entire northern border, which goes on forever. I mean, that is, that is one of the biggest borders in the world, I think. Uh, Gordon Chang, thank you so much for coming on and telling us uh and updating us on China, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you so much, John, and thank, thank you, everybody. You. Thank you. And uh, I understand we have to take another break. Let's take a second break, and uh, let's see who we have when we're coming back. John Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. On the line for us right now is Charlie Gasparino, always telling it like it is. And there was that breaking news this morning about Elon Musk. It looks like he's threatening to back out of the Twitter deal because of all the bots on there. Texas Attorney General is also suing the SEC, basically saying that Twitter has fraudulently, you know, uh, 
kind of made their product seem bigger and better than it is. But meanwhile, we don't even know how many users are real or fake. Charlie Gasparino, what are you hearing? <laughs> I mean, everybody's all over the place on this. Um, is it a is it a plea, a plan, or a ploy by Elon to renegotiate the price? Obviously, bid fifty four twenty. Uh, $54.20, uh, when the markets were at a different level, they've been correcting and they're going to keep correcting. Uh, a lot of that is being taken out of Tesla shares, which he's going to pay for. He's using the, those to pay for this. So that's one aspect. The other aspect, you know, he might have a point about the bots. Uh, I mean, there's a ton of garbage on Twitter, bots, people with fake accounts. It's not just bots. It's people with fake accounts that, you know, are really there for nothing but trolls. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you sell um you know, ads and try to monetize the Twitter activity of the trolls. So, I mean, I think there's some of that. Um, there's also possibly him looking just to, you know, maybe not walk away, but renegotiate, you know, this thing down. And, you know, Twitter's in kind of a, a rough spot because if he's the only buyer out there, and he is, uh, this could fall down to a $25 stock. I mean, especially when the Fed keeps, keeps raising rates and stock prices keep normalizing. Uh, this company has never made money. Um, it has lousy cash flow. It's a, so it's a horrible private equity investment. And only a crazy billionaire could buy it. And uh, so they, I, yeah, I wonder if they have much of a choice. I mean, I think what they're probably, their plan B is to probably get a judge essentially to enjoin um, Musk and say, you must buy this because you chose not to do due diligence, which you did. And you said fifty four twenty, take it or leave it. And they took it, and now you're running away. You know, based on you know your wins about what is a bot, what isn't. So, well, you know, Charlie, that, what could a, be a, that could be their game plan. It's uh, it's Richard Weinberg, Charlie. What about a, a forfeiture, a penalty if he doesn't consummate the deal? <clears throat> no, no, he's supposed well, to. see the other way around. He's supposed to get a billion dollars if. Uh, I yeah, they, that 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 that's if the that that's the breakup fee if you know there's real fraud involved or so if something was uncovered that was really fraudulent you know that we're a long way from that I, I mean I guess a judge could say you owe Twitter fifteen billion or he could settle for fifteen billion which would be less than the four billion he was going to buy pay for it anyway um, that's that's a possibility I mean there's a lot of stuff at work here and then there's the whole political story I mean this 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 story you know started out as a, as a merger or an acquisition and it's turned into this huge political football you know republicans taking his side saying he stands for free speech democrats uh going after him republicans going after twitter saying it's a it's a liberal uh, you know sounding board which not even liberal it's progressive uh they would argue so uh this thing is a huge political story i mean obviously musk and the and the, uh, and the president are butting heads all the time <laughs> The story has it all, and it's, it's and it, you know we're in, I still think we're in the fifth inning of this thing. Charlie, uh, in the studio with us is the uh, uh, the premier of Saskatchewan. I'm saying it better and better. You bet. Uh, uh, premier Mo, uh, you uh, have much dealings in Canada. I knew this would happen. <laughs> we got a horrible connection. Yeah. Are we? Are you losing us? He's still there. I can hear you now. Okay. I, yeah, I said we have the premier of Saskatchewan in the uh, uh, of Canada. Uh, if uh, and uh, 
And, oh, Premier, do you have any questions? Uh, you have problems with Twitter up in Canada? Uh, about the same problems that I think Elon has, uh, has identified with respect to bots and, and, and trolls and, and whatever uh, that might be. Um, interesting story. Elon uh, did spend some time up in Saskatchewan as a, as a young boy. His mother originates uh, from just outside the, the Regina area, a community called Waldeck, actually, uh, is uh, where uh, the, the Musk family does have some roots. And so we do have a connection uh, just in, in that way historically. Uh, Twitter is, uh, you know, is it. It's 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 everything in Saskatchewan that it is across America, and for for better or worse. And it sounds like I would agree. Uh, I would agree with Charlie. We're probably in the fifth inning of this. Uh, the offers have been made, and now the negotiations can begin. Charlie, what do you say to Americans? Because I, I have family members; they're not even on Twitter anymore. They're on Truth Social or whatever. They don't use it. What do you say to them? Like, why should I even care what Elon Musk is doing, or why should I even care about Twitter? It's only a social media app. Who cares if you can't say what you want to say? But, you know, I think there's some of that. I mean, I, I take. I kind of agree with that. Why should we care so much? But it's an important uh, forum for for dispensing thought. And a lot of influence makers are on it, and a lot more want to be on it. And if it's a free, if it's if it's much more, um, uh, if it's less uh, restrictive and less totalitarian, as it's and progressively totalitarian, that's a good thing for spe- free speech in the country. And I think that's why a lot of conservatives rallied around him initially, Elon's bid, because he essentially said that he goes, "This is a great public forum, and it's being run by." idiots that are both restricting the free speech element of it and don't even know how to run a business while they're doing it. I mean, people think if they were doing all this uh, restrictive stuff and it's sold, but it, they're not making any money. So um, that was the allure of his bid. Now, and, shifting uh, uh, to the economy, I want to ABC yeah. News poll, 48 percent of voters say the economy is the most important issue. I think that's probably even under understated. understated. Yeah, and the, and the Democrats are even now worried obviously about gas prices and the economy. How big of a role is is inflation? I mean, I we we keep talking about it and Biden keeps blaming Putin. He can't blame Trump anymore right. as the boogeyman. But at this point, I think Americans are wising up that this guy is just right. doesn't have it all together and this country is headed in down the toilet. Lydia, if I could just no, add I, to that. And, yes, I'm sorry, co- Congressman. Sorry, yes. This is Pete King. Is there any segment of the uh, financial community that has any faith in Joe Biden bringing this back, getting inflation uh, no. under control? No, I mean, they won't go. They won't say this publicly, obviously, because they're all high, highly regulated institutions. But, you know, if you've got Jamie Dimon with a beer in him, then, OK, tell me the truth. What do you think? He'd be shaking his head and rolling his eyes. I mean, like everybody, it, it's, it's literally the gang that couldn't shoot straight. Um, I will say this. One of the things that I think was pretty – it should be pretty scary for Democrats is they keep bragging about the top-line numbers of the economy, the unemployment rate, GDP being so great, strong as ever. Like Biden's always saying this. But I, I saw a poll, and I don't know the source of it, but said you know, a vast majority of Americans think the economy is going in the wrong direction. They think the economy is bad. Now, that is striking. If you have GDP and all this stuff – you know, you know, hitting records, as, as we do. The top-line numbers suggest that. And people believe the economy is bad. That means inflation is raging because their, their, their wages are being eaten up by inflation. That also means the underlying numbers are worse than what the top-line numbers are saying, that people are cutting back on stuff. You know, there's money in the markets that are starting to normalize. There's a lot of stuff out there that people are cutting back on. And 
and, and they're, they're really worried about the economy. Well, if and, they're spending know, more for food and more for gasoline, <clears throat> they're going to cut someplace. Right. And, you know, if you spend more for, listen, if, if you make it $5 an hour more than you made last year, but everything is up by $10, and I mean, it just, it, it doesn't matter. So, I, I, you know, the Democrats, I, I, I mean, I guess it's possible they can keep the Senate. You know, maybe Herschel Walker, you know, can't pull it off in Georgia. But if, I will say this. Watch that Georgia race. Herschel Walker wins from Georgia, and the Republicans are going to destroy them in the fall. Because, you know, Herschel Walker is just not not a polished candidate. And this guy Warnock is. But he's everything that the Democrats, that is bad, that the Democrats have embraced recently. I mean, he's far left on the economy, far left on social issues, CRT. He's essentially a socialist. So um, if Herschel could pull that off, Man, the Republicans are going to just clean up everywhere. I mean, forget about the House. They're going yeah. to win the House easy. Well, I think the American people are getting angry as, as heck. Uh, and uh, before, we're going to have to take another break. And thank you, Charlie, for coming on. Uh, Premier, I, I have an expression. The American people are mad as hell and they can't take it anymore. Is, is there any kind of indication like that in Canada? There's a lot of frustration. I, you know, I, I don't know if well, I'd say some are some some that expression would uh, would fit uh, some of the folks as well. You know, we we look in particular in Western Canada, we're a natural resource based uh, economy. We have every opportunity uh, to really you know participate in um, you know a, a growing and, and, and the economic opportunities that that we see before us. And you know, time and time again, we see uh, you know a number of uh, impediments that are that are put in place. And, and they're not really achieving what they're set out to achieve. And there, there is opportunities uh, to achieve that, but in, in a very, very different way. And so there is some frustration. Uh, in particular, we're seeing that in some areas of Canada. And, you know, in fairness, you might be seeing it, you know, down throughout the Midwest, uh, U.S. as well, as we have a lot in common, uh, you know, north-south of where we live with the Midwestern U.S., right up to and including Alaska. And, pre- and Premier, a quick question. Is is the woke culture as vibrant as it is here in the States? I mean, Burger King has gone woke for pride. Oreos have gone woke. And then in Dallas, Texas, there was this huge uproar drag. Um, Does he know what woke is? Yeah, I'm sure you, well, you know where there is a slang word. I'm sure he knows. Yeah. And then they have a drag queen hour for kids. They were teaching seven year olds in Dallas, Texas, how to strike a pose and put dollar bills down. I mean, is that happening in Canada? Because here parents, I have a five year. I'm just like, this is crazy. Yeah, in 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 Saskatchewan, uh, you know, I think we're we're very fortunate. You know, people are, you know, for the most part, you know, fairly common sense, fairly understanding, and uh, of of one another, and and you know, quickly. And we learned this over the course of the last two years, in particular in Canada, to uh, you know, just have a little bit of personal respect for everyone around you, and, and you know why they're doing what they're doing. It might not be your business. You might not understand. And I think that just takes, uh, you know, if each of us just adopt that moving forward, uh, you know, we're going to be able to. You know, find our way, uh, not be yeah, on a positive note. My we son, if you mind, break, me, greatest hockey player of all time, Gordy Howe, came from Saskatchewan. Well, and, really? we, and we got Braden Schneider with the New York Rangers right now, going to help him win a cup. There We've got to go. take a break. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Thank you, uh, 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 Charlie. Charlie, thank you. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Saving the best for, for last, Mario Ukonomo, who is an expert on international news and the economy. Uh, Mario, w- what do you have for us? Hi there. How are you? 
So today uh, the U.S. has announced it's going to actually lift the embargo on Venezuela and it's going to allow them to export oil they to did? the European wow. Union. Oh, my, oh God. my God. And Spain and Italy have, in fact, through And uh, does Russia and get a any, commission on that? What's that? Does Russia get a commission on that uh, deal? Well, actually, that's a very interesting point. Yes, we'll get to that in one second. But Spain's Repsol and Italy's ENI will actually be signing with Venezuela for July purchases of oil from them. Coming to your point, though, that's very interesting because, of course, we know the sponsor of Maduro in Venezuela is, of course, President Putin and Russia. So I'm not too sure exactly what's happening here other than the fact that the Europeans are going to be paying more to actually ship their oil in tankers across the Atlantic versus bringing it in by a pipeline. Well, we got to make sure we got to make sure everybody makes money. You know, why didn't the, why shouldn't the tanker companies make money? <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's the one thing I did want to get out to you folks. And there's one more thing which is very interesting as well. It looks like there's going to be an agreement between Russia, the Ukraine, and Turkey to allow ships to leave Odessa with the wheat and the corn. The Turks basically are going to send in their minesweepers to clear the mines from the port. Uh, the uh, uh, Russians will provide safe passage to the Ukrainian vessels or other flagged vessels that will be carrying the wheat and corn with the right to observe and get on board to make sure that, in fact, it's only wheat and corn. But what makes this all rather bizarre is that it is Turkey that's selling those drones, the Bayraktar drones, to the Ukraine that the Ukraine is using to blow all the Russian tanks up. Uh, and the so, so is there a getting, scoreboard? Who's on whose side? Yeah, it's 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 really it's really crazy. Uh, on the one hand, you have the Turks selling the uh, drones to the Ukrainians. That President Putin over the weekend had an interview, and he said that they're cracking them like nuts. Russia's anti-aircraft systems are cracking the drones like nuts. So the Turks will be selling more drones to the Ukrainian to attack the Russians, but they're all going to work together to allow the ships to leave with the wheat and the corn. Unbelievable. So this is the kind of stuff you can't actually make up. we got one minute left, and uh, we're going to have to take a, a cut it short. But we'll get you back on again uh, either tomorrow or Wednesday. Uh, and uh, I understand Boris Johnson has won the no-confidence vote? Uh, well, he did, yes. Your, your station reported that. That's correct. But he's very weakened. And the last time this happened with Theresa May, less than a year later, she actually right. resigned. Wow. Same with that, too, really. I want to say thank you to Judge Weinberg, Congressman King, for being here, and our special guest, Premier Mo. Thank you so much for being here and telling all the American people the truth about what's going on. And um, we, we invite you to come back. Anytime you're in New York, you're welcome to come. I appreciate it, John, and thank you. And Lydia, thank you. I'm kicking you. Okay. I'm keeping you this up. My Good to have you back. And, and we hear that music, and what do we believe in? Truth. 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 Justice and the American way. God bless New York. God bless New York. And Saskatchewan. And Saskatchewan. And Saskatchewan.